Welcome to the Legislate podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building and contract drafting. Today, I'm excited to welcome Dominic Peasley on the show. Dominic is the CEO of Spark Capital, an online lending platform that enables SMEs to get access to their R&D tax credits as they incur expenditure to take the hassle out of accessing money when companies need it the most. Dominic, thank you for taking the time. Would you like to please share a bit of background about yourself and Spark Capital? Uh, thanks very much, and thanks for having me on the Legislate podcast. A little bit of background on myself, Don Peasley. I'm the CEO of Spark Capital. Um, going back a little bit of a checkered career, I started my life uh, as an accountant with PwC. In fact, you know, I'm one of the few that actually started with Coopers and Librand many moons ago. From there, I went into the world of structured credit. I worked in uh, US subprime and European subprime markets all the way through the crisis and followed that by with a stint at, at Goldman's where I looked after their capital raising on their asset management arm. I then saw a, a slight gap in the market where fintechs were, were coming out post-crisis with lending products. And a lot of them were what you would call peer-to-peer. -peer. So it was you and I investing parts of our hard-earned money through our ISAs and lending that through platforms. But there was a huge problem with scaling those platforms when they were using retail money. And I started looking at the institutionalization of capital uh, within that world. And that led me to work at Funding Circle, which became one of the largest leading online providers of small business finance in the UK. And from there, I was very privileged to work with like the British Business Bank and the Treasury through the COVID-19 crisis, working on all the government support schemes whether that was the coronavirus business interruption scheme, the bounce back loan scheme, the recovery loan scheme. And it was clear to me that SMEs needed speed and certainty of capital when they were looking to borrow and that there was a lack of capital available to SMEs in the market. And one thing the pandemic had done is it had accelerated this trend from offline lending to online lending. And I think when you've got bank branches which are closed, you've got call centers which are jammed up with people um, looking for help, people turned online. So the concept of Spark Capital was born. Um, it's been in the making for quite a while. One of my co-founders had built a very similar business in Australia, which had become the the largest fintech lender to businesses engaged in research and development. And we wanted to build the same thing over here. Now, obviously, COVID-19, no one could travel. I started building a team here with colleagues down in Australia, but building a local presence because we thought that's what was. Spark is an innovative online lending platform. So we aim to be an integral part of an SME's cash flow planning when they're engaged in research and development. So we provide capital to companies lending against their eligible R&D expense. So we look to accelerate cash flows for SMEs by up to about 15 months. We enable them to invest more in R&D and we help them retain ownership of their company through providing a non-dilutive source of capital. So, so very simply, we look to accelerate the growth of small businesses um, that power UK GDP with a smarter source of capital. Well, that's a, a very exciting and diverse career and uh, congratulations on building a company during the pandemic with a team down under. So 
Well Thank done. You. Throughout this career and these experiences, what's been your favorite moment so far? If I look at Spark, especially, there are highs and lows when you're building a business. I think we've all been through them. And but there, are, there are a couple of points that stick out in my mind. I think the uh, one of the key ones is actually when our first employee said yes. It, it's great and it's amazing when you find someone who trusts you, shares that vision, and personally that's very rewarding. But also we get to speak with some incredible businesses. The range of innovation that goes on in the UK is sometimes overlooked. So we've spoken to businesses uh, like yours, which are providing an, uh, an amazing online service through to businesses which are enabling shoppers to talk to their computer to create uh, a wardrobe. It's amazing to see what goes on you know, in this world of R&D, which I never really got exposure to before I started. Yeah, I think the R&D tax credits are are an amazing tool for, for entrepreneurs and, and something they should definitely you know pay attention to because it can definitely extend runway. And I guess what you're doing is extending runway in a much more certain way because you're receiving the credits you know, now as opposed to in 15 months when you're most out of cash. Exactly. And I think that's the one thing we found has been great and a, and a differentiator for us in that we've seen businesses who've looked at R&D tax credits and they've seen it as almost like a bridge lending product just as they're trying to file their tax return and they've been paying fees up front for it. And really our view was, well, why are you paying upfront fees and diluting your cash flow when I'm trying to provide a non-dilutive source of capital? So trying to create something which was didn't have borrowers putting out money up front, meant they didn't have to make repayments through the life of the loan. It meant it was a very simple way for people to accelerate all the way back to even Q1 on their expenditure to bring that cash flow forward. Yeah, that's uh, really great. And what do you wish you'd known before starting Spark Capital? Um, that was a, that's a, that's a tough one. I think it is extremely hard to hire good talent in a startup environment. And I think there are a lot of tools at our disposal now where you know there are online advertising portals where you can go and, and post jobs there are there's the traditional route of going through recruitment consultants but actually trying as i said with that first part making and making sure that you can have people that buy into that vision is the biggest challenge of all and i wish i'd known how hard that was to to begin with when we started hiring but we also deal with multiple third parties that we are reliant on that provide analytics, provide data banking services. And no matter how hard you work and no matter how great your tech team is behind the scenes, you can make everything look like a swan and know how hard people are peddling behind the scenes to make sure that nothing breaks. And I think as a business builder, you have to constantly evolve and, and change tact because you always want to make sure that you're providing that the best borrower experience. But the day-to-day the -day of just diving into a new problem, but the, but the volume and, and, and scale of those problems sometimes is something I, I wish I'd known. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should have yeah. expected. And I think hiring is, is always difficult at the start, but once you start to build momentum and a team, then I do find it gets a little bit easier. But I do find also that, with, especially with software, there are going to be bugs even no matter how hard you test your products and, and you just need to be able to react swiftly. And 
as a CEO of a company, what are the key contracts that you interact with the most? So as a, as a business, we really, we have multiple types of contracts. So if I think about the, the groups, we have our suppliers, we have our service providers, we have our employees, we have consultants that we use, and we have our borrowers. And, and overarching all of that, when we're engaging with businesses, we have things like non-disclosure agreements. And it's surprising how much time that contracting process can take. And for me, it's, it's really about how do you create fairness and speed in a process where you're trying to scale a business quite quickly. And, and when you say fairness and speed and, and that there were areas of friction, what are the common issues and how have you managed to reach fairness and speed? How you can have the ability for a contract really to re read in, in plain English with very clear terms attached to it. And in, in some cases, having a very simple, repeatable process. So there are some areas where you know, we work on where we have standardized contracts. So, for example, on our borrower portal, when a, when a borrower goes through their customer journey and we generate contracts off the back of that, we try to reduce friction by standardizing as much as possible. Now, there are obviously going to be times from time to time where we do need to adjust something. But if I can get 95% done on a standardized contract, the same where we are looking at working with some of our service providers or, or suppliers where we're entering into non-disclosure agreements as well. We like to standardize that from our side so that we have key terms, key reps, key warranties that we're comfortable with. And from that point of view, we deal with multiple suppliers and service providers, as you probably do on your business as well. And having something which is simple and repeatable is key for me. Yeah, I think standardization is, is a key thing that we try to do at Legislate because, you know, that we don't need to rephrase something five different ways. We just want to keep it standard and simple. So it's easy for due diligence. It's easy for processing. As you said, sometimes you do need flexibility and, and that flexibility we do try to anticipate it as well with standard solutions. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, standardization is, is really important. You mentioned earlier scaling the business and, and the importance of contracts with that. What's the, the vision for scaling Spark Capital? So my vision is to accelerate the growth of every single company that's engaged in research and development in the UK. And we want to do that by advancing capital to them to bring forward innovation and to encourage investment in, in UK PLC. Now, you know, things evolve over time. And I, I think it's really how does that mission, I suppose, gel with developments that are going on in the market as well at the moment. So how can you make that process simpler? How do you enable that scaling to happen? We've been very fortunate. I talk about hires when I, my first hire was an amazing tech expert called called Ivan, and and he has been instrumental in looking at areas of open banking. So the ability to integrate a borrower's bank account, their accountancy software, to enable very swift, smooth underwriting processes. Again, trying to standardise whether it be through a contract or be through a process the the experience that a borrower has when they come, because that to me is the only way that you can really scale a business successfully is if you can provide 
the same level of service to somebody borrowing a million pounds to the same to to ten thousand pounds. Yeah, that's that's very exciting, and and when you can standardize, you democratize your service, and and more companies can benefit. Best of luck doing that. I'm conscious that I've taken already a lot of your time, so I'm going to ask you the closing question we ask all our guests. If you're being sent a contract to sign today, what would I would look at how simple that contract is to understand. I think having clear terms and conditions within a contract is, for me, the indicator that someone has actually thought about the person that is signing that contract rather than just the legal drafting of it as well, which is obviously key and important. But that level of transparency for me means that it takes less time to understand. I can get a grip on it. I can present that internally to stakeholders effectively and know that the counterparty that I'm dealing with is also you know, thinking about the way that they're coming across. And that's important. Yeah, I think fullness is, is, is really important because a contract is a relationship and, and showing that you've thought about the other side establishes good foundations for, um, for the long term. Very great answer. So thank you very much, Dominic, for being on the show. Best of luck fueling all these SMBs and SMEs with R&D teams. And best of thank luck. You very much, it's been fantastic being on the Legislate podcast.